morning, everyone. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, I think it's always really important to locate ourselves uh, in the liturgical year in our readings for today. Where are we? Right? So we're in Lent, in case you didn't know. Uh, we're specifically, right, the second Sunday of Lent, Transfiguration. The first Sunday of Lent is always uh, the temptations of Christ, the humanity of Jesus, which we heard about last, last Sunday. This Sunday, uh, the Transfiguration, we see the divinity of Christ. Now, of course, you can't separate his humanity and divinity, but yet his divinity shines forth in a very particular way today. Uh, every Lent, no matter if it's cycle A, B, or C, uh, that's always the pattern. What I love about that is with the divine praises, we say, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. And we see that in the first two Sundays of Lent. Why the transfiguration? Traditionally, uh, Lent is a time where those in RCIA are preparing to enter the church. And the church in her wisdom wants to give uh, those people preparing to become Catholic a glimpse of the true divine life of Jesus. His divinity shone forth in the transfiguration. Just a quick thought. I know there's some folks standing in the back. There are some spaces, usually towards the front, if you guys are welcome to come forward. I know everyone will be looking at you, but you're welcome to come forward. Uh, there's plenty of spaces up here. Uh, a couple of brief thoughts about the transfiguration and then into our main theme for today. Uh, the Transfiguration from Matthew's Gospel uh, is what we hear today. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain. Why six days? What happened before this? Right before the Transfiguration, Jesus foretells his death to the apostles. And they get frustrated. Jesus, what do you mean you have to suffer and die? You're the Messiah. You're not supposed to suffer. You're not supposed to do, uh, undergo these terrible things. And then Jesus looks at Peter after Peter challenges him. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking as God does, but you're thinking as men do. And right after Peter's blunder, Right after Peter confronts Jesus and is in the wrong, Jesus yet still calls him to go up that mountain. The good news with this, brothers and sisters, no matter where our hearts are, no matter how many times we blunder in front of the Lord and we sin and we fail, grace is always a gift. God still chooses to pour out his love to us. God still chooses to pour out his life to us no matter where our hearts are. Even if we feel distant from him, Jesus can still shine brightly before us. All we have to do is show up. All we have to do is come back to confession when we need to go. And he leads them up a high mountain. Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. He doesn't have to explain this. They know why a high mountain. What does this remind us of? Exodus 19, Mount Sinai. Moses goes up that high mountain, encounters the Lord, 
and has, he's up there 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus, who is God, goes up the high mountain, and there's another theophany, another powerful encounter with the, the divine God, Christ shining brightly before them. It's about the Exodus. Luke's gospel talks about that. They were talking about the Exodus, and Luke's gospel also gives us the why. Why did Jesus go up the high mountain? In Luke, it says to pray. Jesus goes up to pray. The cloud, the voice from the cloud, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. So this is really what I want to preach about today. What does it mean to listen to the Lord? When I was praying with the gospel this week, this is what I kept wrestling with. Lord, how do I listen to you? How do we listen to you? How do we pray? I think the word that kept coming up for me was silence. We have to be silent before the Lord. When I was in high school, I struggled with silence. I hated the silence, right? If you're anything like me, you try to avoid silence. Even to this day, I can still wrestle with that. When I was in high school, I saved up a bunch of money and I bought dual subwoofers for my car. <laughs> and I loved working with my hands, so I went and took an online class, i.e. YouTube, and I Googled or I searched, how do you put subwoofers in a car, right? So I bought an amplifier, connected it to the battery, ran it through um, what they call the firewall, have to drill through that and then you get the uh, wires and you put them under uh, the, the carpet of the, the car and everything, you run it to your trunk and then every morning when I would drive up to school I would blast music so everyone could hear my dual subwoofers in my car. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool but uh, a way for us to avoid the silence. Maybe when you're cooking, maybe when you're at home, I don't want to be in silence so I turn music on. Turn the radio on, I turn the news stations on, and the noise becomes distracting to silence. Silence is hard. Silence is boring sometimes. One of the reasons why silence is hard, right, is because things begin to well up in our heart that maybe we don't want to face. Maybe we're ashamed of. We all have a past, and we don't like those things to boil up. And so we try to avoid silence. Brothers and sisters, my challenge for you this week is to find silence. Because in the silence of the heart, God speaks. How do we listen to Jesus? The Father commanding us, listen to him. How do we listen to him? We have to hear him. And the way we hear him is through silence. Today's homily is uh, sponsored by Cardinal Sarah, or called Cardinal Sarah, as we say in America. He wrote this great book a few years ago, The Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of Noise. And I have a couple quotes from him today. This first one's a little bit lengthy, so stay with me. But he's talking about how the dictatorship of noise blocks out silence from our life. Our world no longer hears God because it is constantly speaking. 
at a devastating speed and volume in order to say nothing. Modern civilization does not know how to be quiet. It holds forth in an unending monologue. Postmodern society rejects the past and looks at the present as a cheap consumer object. It pictures the future in terms of an almost obsessive progress. Its dream, which has become a sad reality, will have been to lock silence away in a damp, dark dungeon. Thus, there is a dictatorship of speech, a dictatorship of verbal emphasis. In this theater of shadows, nothing is left but a purulent wound of mechanical words, without perspective, without truth, and without foundation. Quite often, truth is nothing more than the pure and misleading creation of the media, corroborated by fabricated images and testimonies. When that happens, the word of God fades away, inaccessible and inaudible. Postmodernity is, going, is, on, is an ongoing offense and aggression against the divine silence. The tragedy of our world is never better sun, summed up than in the fury of senseless noise that stubbornly hates silence. This age detests the things that silence brings to us, encounter, wonder, and kneeling before God. Blaise Pascal, a recent philosopher, he says this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit by himself for one hour. We're afraid of the silence, oftentimes. When I first got to college seminary, right after high school, uh, we, we began the habit of praying a daily holy hour, which I still keep to this day. Father V told Father Brian and I every morning, 6.30 a.m., with our cup of coffee, right, we have a holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I love that, beginning the day in silence. But one of the challenges, even with the holy hour, one of the challenges even in college seminary for me was not to be in the silence. Certainly I'm in a holy hour, but I would begin to read books. I read a lot of books that year, right? I began to pray the rosary. The rosary's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing but it can distract us and just be noise for us. I didn't know how to pray in the silence. Because once again, oftentimes when I would sit in that silence, things would come up in my heart. I didn't want to address. I didn't want to acknowledge. I didn't want to pray with. But as we grow in our experience, our comfort, being, allowing the silence to, to be a certain comfort for us and learn that, we begin to actually hear God's voice. We're able to listen to him, where he's calling us. I think another challenge with our society, of course, is phones and technology in general. So here's some really uh, fascinating statistics. 85% of U.S. adults own a smartphone as of 2022. The average American spends five hours and 24 minutes on their mobile device each day. On average, Americans check their phones up to 350 times per day. 
or once every three minutes. The average American touches their phone over 2,600 times a day. As of 2022, 62% of website traffic comes from mobile devices. We're on these things often. I like to make fun of Father Brian because he's old, right? And uh, he's, we're both millennials, but he's a geriatric millennial, right? <laughs> and as a millennial, I had my first phone when I was in seventh grade, my first smartphone when I was in eighth grade. And knowing what I know now, right, that's a terrible idea to give a middle schooler unrestricted access to the internet on a smartphone, on a smart device. The challenge with that too is uh, we're not able to disconnect. These devices become addictive. These things uh, take us away from the silence we're called to have with the Lord. Our readings today invite us into this silence. Abram, how does he hear the call of God? Certainly we don't necessarily know. It doesn't specifically say. There's other examples in the Old Testament where God audibly spoke to these different people. But it doesn't say that here. What if Abraham, just in the silence of his heart, heard God speak to him, leave this place, leave your friends, leave your family, and go to the land that I will give you. I will make you a great name. I will give you universal blessing, and I will give you a land, a triple blessing. But if Abram never had silence in his life, he never would have heard that call from the Lord. Where is there silence in your life? If you currently don't have any, I invite you, start small. What if for the rest of this Lent you said, I'm going to pray in silence for 10 minutes every day? Not having the rosary, not reading scripture, but just sitting in silence, allowing the Lord to speak to you, allowing those things deeper within your heart to relate to the Lord. Maybe you already have 10 minutes of silence. What if you tried 20 minutes? What if you tried 30 minutes of silence? In the silence of the heart, God speaks. A few more quotes from Cardinal Seurat. Christ lived for 30 years in silence, the silent years. Then during his public life, he withdrew to the desert to listen to and speak with his father. This was last week, the, tempta the temptations of Christ. When Jesus starts his public ministry, he immediately goes into the desert to pray. The world vitally needs those who go off into the desert because God speaks in the silence. Sounds and emotions detach us from ourselves, whereas silence always forces man to reflect upon his own life. There is no place on earth where God is more present than in the human heart. This heart truly is God's abode, the temple of silence. The Father waits for his children in their own hearts. Through silence, we return to our heavenly origin, 
where there is nothing but calm, peace, repose, silent contemplation, and adoration of the radiant face of God. I want to close with just looking at our second reading today. St. Paul in prison writing to his brother Timothy, talking about the sufferings of Christ. But he says this, he saved us and called us to a holy life. Through Jesus' suffering, he saves us and calls us into a holy life. He calls us to holiness. Brothers and sisters, what is holiness? What does it mean to be holy? Holy literally means to be set apart. All throughout the Old Testament, when God calls Israel to be holy, he's saying, don't look like the other nations. Don't bring on the practices of the Egyptians or of the Philistines, but be separate. Be separated, be separate, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. If we're going to be able to listen to the Lord, if we're going to be able to have this silence, we have to look different from the world. We can't be enmeshed in the same entertainment, the same kind of uh, dictatorship of noise, of going from one thing to the next to the next. We have to take time for silence. So this week, find time to be silent with the Lord. Be silent with the Lord so that you can listen to him.